Welcome to episode number 19 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. Today I'm talking to Katie Miles and Rachel Jones in Los Angeles, California. Katie and Rachel run a kids' costume company called Hijinx Costumes that's all focused on open-ended play and imagination. And get this, their costumes are made from recyclable and biodegradable fabrics. Often it's from dead stock that's left over from big manufacturing runs that would have otherwise ended up in the landfill. How cool is that? I would love you to picture the last time that you bought a costume for one of your children or your grandchildren. Was it something that would last for generations? There aren't many on the market that are built that way. Katie and Rachel really have a central goal of selling costumes that will be passed down from generation to generation to generation. Their simple idea for us today is to spend a little more when we're buying the next product or gift that we're looking at to invest in a small business that specifically focuses on transparency and ethical manufacturing and sustainability as a core part of their mission. For today's show notes, uh, to watch the video interview and for links to everything we talk about, go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 19. And if you'd like to join me live for my next interview, it's going to be all about how we find ethical, environmentally friendly jewelry. It's going to be with Stephanie from Metalicious Jewelry, and I would love to have you there. You can join us at bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash for animals for earth live, all lowercase, all squished together bit.ly slash four animals for earth live. I hope to see you there. And yeah, let's get going on my interview with Katie and Rachel. Hi there, this is Brandy and you're listening to the four animals for earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. So let's kick off with, can, um, can one of you tell us, you know, what is hijinks costumes so that everyone knows and is on the mm-hmm. same page? I mean, I think you nailed it. We are a children's costume company and we make durable, open-ended play costumes that are as sustainable and environmentally friendly as possible. Mm-hmm. Something we that's also, meant to be passed down rather than end in a landfill, right, Katie? Yes. And we also um, focus on making the costumes as accessible for children as possible. So like they can get in and out of them on their own mm-hmm. with all the closures being in the front and nothing too terribly difficult for them to do with their little hands. Mm. You know, I feel like that probably helps a lot with them being passed down from generation to generation, just because I guess, I guess what you're saying is making me picture the kids, the kids playing with them themselves and being Mm -hmm. excited to, to just get into them and play with them. And so that would therefore get them to play with them more often and therefore get a parent to want to hold on to them longer and therefore get them to be passed down to grandchildren and the next generation. And the fabrics are really durable. So when they wash, they wash well, and we don't use any like Velcros or 
anything that would mm-hmm. fall apart or just get ruined in the wash. We just really we try, try to, to keep avoid. in mind mm-hmm. that, you know, we want this costume to be washed a hundred times and still get passed down to the next kid. Mm-hmm. I love that. It makes me picture like all of the costumes that my grandparents had in their house that we, you know, would go and, and play with. And it was always, always exciting to find, see their new, mm-hmm. you know, it was new to us, even though it was 50 years old or something, you know, especially my nice. grandparents' house, that house was in the, in, for multiple generations. So we still had toys in that house from my great, 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 grandparents <laughs> and we're still oh, wow. they're playing so when you so think cool. of the costumes you know I don't think they held up as well as yours well yeah. but we still mm-hmm. you know we're throwing them on and playing with them and it's it's just exciting um to find something new right yeah yeah and that's one of the reasons that Katie and I started this venture in the first place is our we both had costume boxes for both of our kids and we were making purchases, making purchases, and they're falling apart. These synthetic fabrics, like these beautiful princess dresses that just like are ripped to shreds a couple of times in the wash. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was one of the, one of the reasons we started this whole thing. Mm. And I know another reason was the open-ended play idea. And I wondered mm-hmm. if, if one of the two of you would want to talk about why that's important to you and, um, I know that it's it's a concept that I think if you have read about it and you've heard about it, right. you know what someone means when they say open-ended play costumes. But if you haven't, it's kind of a new idea. So I wonder yeah. if one of you could share what that is and why you're so passionate about having a costume line that that is rooted in that. Yes. Um, I'll just jump in. For like my husband, I was telling him, we're making open-ended play costumes. He's like, what is open-ended? I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, kids, um, there are fixed characters from movies, from uh, these characters that we all know about. And the kid will ask, I want to be this. And so when they are- Elsa, Spider-Man, you Elsa, know, whatever. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. they're, they're that character. They're stuck in the role of that character. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to make something that would- because there is a lot of science, a lot of research um, on childhood development where if they have the freedom and the imaginative um, flexibility, it's, mm-hmm. it's better for their, for their games, for their mental development and uh, spiritual development. Yeah, right, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a good amount of research um, by um, early childhood psychologists that say when you give a child a toy that's open-ended, which means that it can be really anything that their imagination desires it to be, that it helps with um, just their overall creativity and imagination as they grow. If you give them, and I'm not saying it's bad to let your kid dress no, up right. as a character for Halloween. I start, I mean, Mirabelle was Spider-Man this year. I'm not, we're not like, yeah. you know, we're not like purists. We just, we wanted to have, you know, if, if your costume box is only full of the costumes you bought your kid for Halloween, every time they put a costume on, they're only enacting what they've seen in, on TV about that character. Mm-hmm. So we, we wanted them to have the open-ended flexibility that they do with a lot of the other toys they have, their Legos and other block, you know, certain mm-hmm. toys. Um, 
with their costumes as well so that they could put on something that's a little more um, flexible, like it's just a bird. Well, you know, there's mm -hmm. so many stories they can come up with about what a bird does. So that Which just also gives them goes that into, yeah, the interchangeability of our costumes. So we wanted it to be so free that, so we have a jumpsuit base and the hoods and the wings and the tails and whatever accessories, they're separate, they snap off. So you buy one jumpsuit and then say you buy the full dragon costume, your child is a dragon. And then later you can buy the unicorn hood and tail and it matches the jumpsuit. So then they change into whatever they want to change into. So that was- Or they're, maybe they're a unicorn the... dragon. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they can yeah. just mix it all up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can see how that would um, definitely spark creativity. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel like I see over and over and over again with my kids when they have a toy that just kind of forces creativity and imagination, they mm -hmm. figure it out. And, you know, an hour later, we're blown away by what they came up with. Yeah. But, yeah. but I kind of have to force it in a way of like giving them toys that require mm -hmm. them to be a little more creative and a little imaginative. So I can see, I can see how you're describing, like put these in the costume box so yeah. that they do it. And then the mix That's and match pieces, yeah. of course. And if they mix yeah. up Spider-Man with, you know, our, you know, something a little more open-ended, that's also, you know, fine. Right. It's like, but they just have a little more flexibility. It's like, I would say the easiest comparison is giving a kid a coloring book versus giving a kid a blank page of paper. Mm. Like mm -hmm. that's the difference totally. of a toy that has a kind of a fixed concept and a toy that allows the child to use their own imagination. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that comparison is that there's, there's space for both. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's totally. like, there's, there's value for coloring, a coloring there's value for both. Value yeah. For blank. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And I like hearing that because, you know, it is, I know with my kids, um, yeah, they'll, they'll get really attached to the Avenger or mm -hmm. I, we're, we're kind of, Mia's now kind of cast off all princesses. You know, she's moved into that, <laughs> that phase. Although what's funny is actually open-ended, maybe not, right? Because mm -hmm. she's she's cast off Disney princesses because they mm -hmm. mean that happens. She's too young. Oh yeah. Well, oh I yeah. Mean, when is it gonna happen? So. <laughs> Ruby has cast off princesses as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you wondered, have they actually lost the dream of being a princess? I don't know, <laughs> you know, but right. the, the Disney ones are associated yeah. with being young and that's, right. you know, no, the not doing that. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. exactly. So do you guys, um, I always like to share uh, one simple idea and the reality is I'm sure throughout the conversation, you'll share multiple different things, but I like to at least highlight one simple thing that people listening can do to make a difference for animals and the environment. And I could always already mm -hmm. say some based on what we're talking, but I'll let the two of you share any ideas that you have. Um, I, from a, I think from a consumer standpoint, as a mom consumer myself, mm -hmm. I think that the, one of the number one things you can do when you're making purchases for your children or yourself is to be willing to, rather than um, 
take that Amazon cheaper thing available that you can get right now and you're going to buy three of spend $15 more and invest in a company that sustainability is a priority. And I think that would make a huge difference for animals and people and the environment. And um, that is what we're going for. Right. Katie, like, yeah, to that. that was our number one goal. You know, we had an idea for a product we wanted to make, but Rachel and I are both very passionate about the environment. And uh, we were, we just didn't feel like we could add any more consumer goods to the world without doing it mm-hmm. in a way that was sustainable. And also, also put the reason we wanted our costumes to be so durable is so that they don't end up in a landfill after the kid uses it a couple of times. You know, that, that was our, if people could, you know, maybe buy a couple less disposable costumes and one of our costumes instead, um, I do think that would make an impact on what ends up in landfills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the price point, it's not, wildly different and it takes it's very easy i think to find these companies that the environment is a priority um but it's not a matter of a hundred dollars more it's not like you you buy these princess dresses for a pretty good sum Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yeah disney 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 uh definitely uh makes some good money on those princess dresses (laughs) Yes, yeah. they do. We all love, you know, we love them. We love them. We love them. <laughs> we love them. <laughs> 80 bucks sometimes. And it's, yeah. Is it worth $80? Oh, man, so do we think that, right? you know. And you know the margin on that, you know. Yeah. It's like they are just making a killing. I keep having this dream that at some point, Disney, you know, being such a huge business, will start looking more at, sustainability in the fabrics and environmentally friendly. And, you know, I don't know enough about the manufacturing part of it to say on the ethical side, but I mean, in terms of the fabrics, I really, you know, it's like just contract with someone who is making them a little more sustainably, a little more eco-friendly, you know, hopefully, hopefully one of these days. Hopefully, And it's also, it's, it's quantity versus quality and, I had this conversation with my five-year-old daughter yesterday where she said, mommy, I need a new baby doll. Okay. And, and it's about consumerism. She said, I need a new baby doll. And I said, you have so many baby dolls. Do you, how do you even have enough love in your heart for another baby doll? And she said, I have, I have love in my heart for 10 babies. And I'm like, okay. I get it. And I'm thinking about these plastic babies that I keep ordering and the grandmas keep ordering. And so, you know, we talked about it and I'm like, okay, you have the love, but what if I make new clothes for your babies? And what do you think about that? And so we talked about it and she's like, yeah, they would look different. And then I could pretend they're a new baby, but it's just these, it's not wrong to buy your kids gifts, but we get in this thing, I think, where we just start buying more and more. And so you, mm-hmm. the, the simple choice, I think, is just to pause for a moment and say, like, what can we do um, for less to mm-hmm. have better, but less? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just, slow down a minute. And I think at least here in the U.S., I feel like a lot of people 
in our generation, we've just grown up um, kind of naturally in a more consumerism environment. Mm -hmm. And naturally is not the right word, but um, that's, that's, kind of been what America's about, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's, it's cu like, that's cultural. It's cultural. Yes. It's like just, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And, um, and, and so for many, many years, it's been forming that way. And, and I do think mm -hmm. it's hard. Um, it's hard to even catch, catch that moment. Like mm -hmm. you were saying with totally. your daughter. Um, yeah. but, but it does cultivate, I think, um, the more that we do it, the more we catch it, the, the, easier it gets maybe for it to pop up in the moment and say, Oh wait, right. let's, let's, maybe we can think about this different. Um, yeah. Something I've been doing with my kids since quarantine started is I'm sure everyone is doing this, but organizing our house and <sighs> we've been, we've been taking all of our clothing and I always mended our clothes to begin with, but now they know how to mend their clothes. So they're wow. mending their own nice. holes. So taught them how to mend their own holes on their leggings. And then anything that's stained, we just put it in a pile. And about once every three months or so, we dye it. So we just put it, I'll just make a huge bucket of dark blue dye or something. And we throw it all in and they love it. It's like they have a that's brand cool. new they love it. We just finished and they were like, oh my God, look at my amazing sweatshirt that was all stained and that was like this beautiful blue color. So that's, that's you nice. know, just, and then selling their toys to on, you know, on Facebook marketplace or whatever. Um, and using that money to let them decide like to buy something new. So mm -hmm. instead of like just new things showing up all the time, I'm trying to get them to think about how they can reuse or, you know, mm -hmm. give something away or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how to find a little more longevity in the things we own again. Right. I mean, you know, I was mm -hmm. thinking about my grandparents' house earlier and talking about that. And I mean, they, it, I don't feel like it crossed their minds to toss something when there was a hole in it or there was a stain, you know, I mean, they, they, right. like you said, they mended it, they repaired it, they gave it another life within the house. And, um, yeah, it, it feels like we've, we've gone away from that as a culture, but there's not mm -hmm. really any reason that we can't keep slowly or quickly <laughs> coming back quickly. to it as a culture. Yeah. I mean, and not everyone... Yeah, not everyone yeah. is crafty. We're two crafty ladies. Okay. Yeah, we are. <laughs> not crafty. everyone can do that, but we do have like we've uh, taught mending classes, and like we really do care about this. And it's easier than you think, and there are many ways beyond like you know knowing how to sew or dye something. So I think like that's just and something even, we're and on about. a like more macro level, getting involved with whatever your state. Um, you know, in California, we have a bill that still hasn't passed because of the technology companies kind of holding it up, but the right, right to repair laws that are pretty much, you know, every state is working on some version of it right now. And it's been in Europe for a long time, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's forcing companies to give you the tools that you need to repair the products they sell you. So you don't have to throw them away. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> yeah. It's, so you can write, I mean, it's very easy. You can just Google right to repair in your state and, you know, who, whatever organization's working on it, you can just fill out a letter and send it off to your representatives. And, mm -hmm. 
I love that. We'll we'll add that into the show notes. And I also was thinking it would be nice to add in um, some links to how to do the things you were just describing that you've taught your children. Because yeah, I love that idea. And, and I feel like if you've taught your children, you can teach me. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, before quarantine happened, we were we were doing these um, uh, about once a month. We were doing like we had a a tie-dyeing party where everybody mm. brought their own clothes and we did a mending night yeah awesome. so if you're someone who knows how to mend or tie-dye mm -hmm. it's also great to show somebody else <laughs> yeah that's true you could just show show your friends show your neighbors and like, that's also yeah. yeah that's yeah. also how we started how we met was yeah I had a sewing night at my house where you know, moms sit around and mend drink, our own clothes, drinking wine, and <laughs> and Katie came and yeah. I was making dolls, and she had a children's children's clothing line, and you know, we just oh, that's awesome! Together. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. that's, it's meant to be, yeah, yeah. right. That's that's mm -hmm. so fun. So, um, okay, so many questions for you. Let's let's since mm -hmm. we're talking about you guys meeting, um, let's talk about how you met and how mm -hmm. you evolved to the point that you have this costume business now? Had, um, I, I moved to Los Angeles from New York about three years ago, and I really didn't know anyone. And a friend of mine from high school said, oh, I have this friend. You guys would like each other. She has a sewing night once a week at her house. Mm -hmm. And I know you like to sew. You should go. And so um, I went and uh, it was really truly was love at first sight for me <laughs> first sight for me <laughs> we're, like, we're just thinking like how can we work together like, yeah I don't even know what we're gonna yeah. do but we gotta work but together. we gotta come like, up with something so yeah. um yeah so Rachel was thinking about um so I'd been going to sewing night with her once a week for about I don't know uh, maybe six months or something. And we got to talking mm -hmm. one night about Rachel was really wanting to either do something with making dolls or another mm -hmm. sort of venture. She had had a couple ideas. And I was like, the clothing, but the children's clothing company was doing okay, but it never really was doing great. And I was, I had a couple ideas as well of, of entrepreneurial ideas that I was kicking around. And so we just had a little, I think we went to the Korean spa Yes, our favorite place. Yeah. I was so sad that that's closed. So sad. I was like, yeah, it's, we went to the mm -hmm. Korean spa and we just were like, let's just brainstorm the whole time mm -hmm. we're here about things that we're both interested in or like have thought about. And the costume idea was something I had been thinking about for a while, um, just because I kind of saw a hole in the market for a durable play costume. So mm -hmm. There was like almost nobody was doing it. And I love costumes. I love Halloween. Right. I love making costumes. I love like, the whole thing. And, and then I, Rachel is like a major Halloween queen who loves and like every time <laughs> I been to Halloween at her house, yeah. I was like, oh my God, Rachel's yeah. amazing. Like she had, her kids had, so amazing good. She had an amazing costume. She had like this, you know, right. we were both Halloween. making our kids costumes yeah. and our own yeah, costumes making... and like going crazy yeah. about it. And we we're like, yeah. wait a minute. This we love costumes. Like, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I had had for a brief time a costume company just like on Etsy um, when I'd first had my uh, Ruby when she was like a baby. And I would just do it in my spare time. Mm -hmm. It was like one offs, like lion costumes or whatever. So, um, so I'd had a little bit of experience with it. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, that's 
kind of how, how it the happened. idea was born. Yeah. yeah. And then we spent almost a almost a full year developing it before we even hit mm-hmm. the market with it. It was yeah. it was about 10 months of just 10 months we just had to get trying it, to get it right. perfect. Get it right. Yeah. Get it yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is not perfect, but <laughs> yeah, good. it's still pretty evolving, good. of course. Still evolving, but, yeah. but it's pretty uh, good. But out of place, we're proud of it. Yeah, yeah, proud of it. Is um, so what? What all did it entail? So did did you make the costumes yourself at some point? Did you need to pattern them and find someone to make them? How did that work? No, we we actually Rachel would come over to my studio every day for about ten months, and we from you know, concept to finished prototype, we did everything. We we yeah. talked about we what would we sketch wanted. together, choose the colors together, and then we kind of By break the- up who does the prototype of this and then we patterned it and figured it out slowly. Did all of it, went downtown a million zillion times million to zillion source all the times. fabric mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. all the trims and everything and yeah. And yeah. then we so and then once it was all ready to go we we used a local um factory here in LA um really great guy who runs it and uh it's very small so it's great like when we go in there you know we can talk to all the sewers and um it's a it's we know it's a good environment we know they're getting a fair wage yeah those are very important things to us yeah that's um Gosh, I, I feel like such a blessing to have that close by to be able yes. to have yes. that, be able to mm-hmm. go in and see everything happening. And I think um, maybe in general, we don't realize how many of those opportunities might actually be close by us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know in LA, we do have a, a lot of manufacturing, but all throughout the US and even in other countries as well. Um, small scale, there are a lot of small scale manufacturers mm-hmm. available. And, you know, it's just a matter of, I think, well, how, how did you find yours? How did you find them? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, he was recommended to me by a friend, mm-hmm. um, Leah Peel, who has that great children's co- clothing company called Chibuki. Um, she recommended him to us, but I had also been producing in LA too. So I knew I, I was glad she gave me the recommendation, but also mm-hmm. for anybody else who is looking to produce in their town, sometimes you just have to hit the pavement. Like, yes, you know, you have which to we just, did, which is yes. not, you know, it's not that big a deal. Like if mm-hmm. you live in Chicago or, you know, Kansas city or some big town, there is probably a small cut and sew in your town. Like you just have to go mm-hmm. look for it and just like literally walk in the door and say, I've got something that I want you to make, you know? Mm-hmm. We went into like 10 places. We really needed a translator, but we needed, we went yeah. into a lot of places and we actually made a choice of, we had another factory in the beginning and things just fell apart. So we had oh, to, yeah. so last year we actually, we did intend to launch before Halloween last year and it didn't happen. And that was a real setback for us because of, you know, you, you know, we're learning. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and I think, mm-hmm. um, starting, starting any new business has that obviously. And then the two mm-hmm. of you, I know you have such a focus on, 
eco-conscious, sustainable, ethical manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to imagine that's not the easiest thing to do. I wonder if you'll talk about that a bit. Like what what kind of hurdles do you have to overcome or what makes it harder to, to lead from a conscious place in manufacturing? Money. (laughs) Number one thing is money because we're making the choices like our materials, our fabric, if we're not using dead stock, which I'll just, I don't know if everybody knows what dead stock is. It's the fabric left over from other factories that will probably end up in a landfill. And so we take that salvaged fabric. And so we, you know, we're working with like, we have our designs, we have our colors that we want and we're going and we're finding this fabric, hopefully, you know, reusing something that would go in the garbage. And uh, if we're not using dead stock, we're trying to use organic cotton and it's expensive and it's expensive to manufacture in LA and it's expensive to make sure that they're making a fair wage. And, you know, even our mailers are biodegradable. So all of this, it, it, it costs money. And we are, as a new company, we're not making, we're not marking it up. We, we need to sell these things. So we can't mark it up, you know, mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. to make a lot of money on right. it, but we want right. Once we get our quantities up, mm-hmm. then it'll be a little easier financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that I think that's well, the biggest hurdle financially, right? Yeah, really. it's financial. Our margins are not great because of that, but you know we do sell direct to mm-hmm. the consumer, so it we do make it cheaper for the consumer by not having to pay for the wholesale markup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we do some wholesaling, which we don't make money on, but we're okay with, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're not making a ton of money when we wholesale, but, um, yeah, it's a lot of hurdles to, to source the materials is difficult and making a choice to manufacture in the U S instead of out of the country does add costs. So when you see that, uh, you see a label that says made in the USA, you know, yeah, you're paying a little bit more for that, but think about how that comes back to your own life. You know, you're you're mm-hmm. making an investment in your own opportunities by buying things that are made in the U.S. So, mm-hmm. and in an investment in um, your community and your mm-hmm. country. I mean, we're talking to people, I guess, who live in the United States. So, if you live in um, England or Australia yeah. or India or wherever you live, you know, I think also. Um, this idea of investing in something where I I guess really it's mostly about investing in something where you can follow the footprints backwards and understand Mm -hmm. where it came from. You know, I mean, I, and this, this is not a, a perfect process, at least from what I've seen for myself and being able to go backwards all the way, you know, it's like, ideally you want to go all the way back to the farm where Mm -hmm. the material was grown or if it's remnants, where did that come from? You know, how did it, how did it get there? And then through, you know, it's such a long supply chain that um, ideally we would love to know every single thing about every little piece of that. Mm -hmm. And in some cases it's possible, but I think in a lot of cases um, maybe not, but, but 
I don't know, Rachel, you said something earlier, which um, I was thinking as well. I mean, there are a lot of businesses out there that are providing more and more transparency. And so we can Mm -hmm. keep peeling back and maybe we can't find all 15 steps of where something was, but we can find Mm -hmm. five of them. And uh, the people, people sharing that are transparent about it. And I think that's a good sign, you know, Um, Mm-hmm. I have, um, I'm actually really excited in a few weeks, there's, um, a man named Steve Brown coming on the show and he's creating, um, technology. He's creating an app that will allow you to look at any product and it'll pull up its background. And oh, wow. see, isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I mean, it's, amazing. it's probably a few years out, right. But I'm so mm-hmm. excited to, to hear just talk to him more about how he's doing it and what exactly he's making, but I mean, what a, what an, what an amazing idea to be able mm-hmm. to just That's, look and see. So cool. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, um, what they're made out of. So you mentioned cotton, um, you mentioned organic cotton, you mentioned remnant mm-hmm. fabrics earlier. You were talking about, um, trying to use sustainable fasteners. I wondered like what, mm-hmm. how do the costumes come together? Is it with a button? Um, you mentioned snaps. How do you Summers, do the that? Zippers, there's zippers on the jumpsuits. And then okay. um, the rest of the closures are heavy-duty metal snaps. Mm-hmm. So they okay. so they won't, you know, get destroyed in the wash. They'll last for a long time. Um, and a lot of the closures are from another a dead stock accessory place mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Like there's a yeah. little wooden toggle closure for the warrior cape that we right we just try to source them that way first uh-huh. before we yeah. look elsewhere look mm-hmm. for something new on the internet yeah mm-hmm. exactly because there's a mm-hmm. big place in LA that sells yeah like leftover runs from other mm-hmm. you know other companies that and they just buy off all this like leftover stuff and you can go do your do what Rachel and I love mm-hmm. to do, which is rummage through people's dig old around, stuff find <laughs> dig around some garbage, dig we around, to dig through garbage. Yes, that's our favorite, that's our favorite thing. <laughs> that's our favorite thing. <laughs> but in that case, you cannot, you can't trace it back. We don't know. Yeah, we where don't know from. But mm-hmm. it's a work in progress. We're like we're we by the end we will be as sustainable as possible. Right. We're new. We're starting. We're doing our We're still figuring best. out a lot of we're it. We're figuring yeah, it out. It's, it's hard. And then sometimes you're like, whoa, we can't use that company anymore. You yeah. Know, like you and have to make choices as yeah. you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other reason we chose, you know, the, the fabric that we use, the big reason we chose it is that it's, uh, will eventually biodegrade. Like it's not made of plastic. It's not a poly yeah. fabric. It's mm-hmm. made of cotton, which you, it's much easier to recycle if you, I don't know if you guys recycle your clothes or not, but you can take, you can take any fabric you want to um, the conglomerate company of H&M, which includes and other stories. And mm-hmm. what's the other store they own? I forget. Oh, oh Zara. So Zara. H&M oh, Zara, really? And- yeah, and so a little wagon to the mall. Yes, I get my I get my little wagon out and I just like dump all of our so we also all of our um all of our uh scraps from when we make the costumes get taken to be recycled. So even our threads. We even our threads. threads. So yeah. But if we you've can. got, you know, clothing that's ripped or stained beyond repair, 
you can take it to these um, to any of those stores and they'll recycle no cost. Like they just take it from you, um, which is great. But it's hard for these recycle one. You know, once it leaves Zara or H and M or whatever and goes to the actual facility where it's recycled. Um, mm -hmm. It's much easier if it's made from a mostly natural content for mm -hmm. them to recycle it. The stuff mm -hmm. that's made from like complete polyester is much more difficult mm -hmm. and sometimes can't be recycled at all. Mm -hmm. We're also thinking about, speaking of fabric, we're also thinking about the microfibers that end up in our water system. Yeah. And that's a hard one, I think. Yeah. Because you're never going to be fully free of that. But you know, we, with the cotton twill, we are doing, we're, it's pretty good. I think, right, Katie? Mm -hmm. It doesn't shed a lot. Yeah. It doesn't shed a lot. Yeah. No. Everything sheds, but it doesn't shed a lot. Everything yeah. sheds, but like the yeah. worst defenders are things like fleece and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because it's um, it's not at all easy, and there are so many facets to mm -hmm. what can make something um, what can make something more conscious. And I feel like um, the fabrics and all of that go into it. But to me, one of the biggest things, and it's what you guys are really, really focused on, is having something that's not going to be thrown away in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, it's exactly. something that can just keep going for a long, long time. And I just, um, I think it's really neat that you, you've led with that and led, I mean, you've led with, you know, sustainability, um, as a complete umbrella, but it's, it's just, it's neat to see that you came up with something that it's like, okay, yes, this is high quality. It's going to stick around for a long time. And Hey, mm -hmm. we're making it from more conscious fabrics. We're making it from more conscious, um, little fasteners and materials. Um, and we're figuring it out as we go, but we're making those harder choices now, mm -hmm. even though it's the product would be a little more expensive, but that's what it kind of takes to be able to support um, all of those things. You know, it's like all those little things, yeah. they all add up, right? It's, it's little yeah. things they do. Um, but the opportunity cost of that is what's going on in other countries with horrible labor, labor standards, you know, horrible destruction of resources, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, some of that's happening here too, but, um, yeah, it's just yeah, basically but it's affecting other countries. And it's one of, and the fashion industry is the worst, one of the worst offenders mm -hmm. to the environment, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's fast fashion is, is, uh, is definitely something that people should be thinking about you I know, think whether having, they want to yeah. contribute to mm -hmm. that, to that animal or not, because it's, it's destroying our environment. Yeah. But I mean, this yeah. is, having starting this company um, has changed my behaviors. Like I, you know, I tried and I cared about the environment, but now I know what's going on mm -hmm. and where it comes from. And Katie has been very helpful in educating me with this. And like, I was on board, but now I, you know, I get it. And, and I've changed like mm -hmm. with the fast fashion. I love fashion, but mm -hmm. you gotta. But, but <laughs> to, to give it to Rachel, I mean, she gets 90. I mean, as far as I know, you get about 90% of your clothes from 
uh, crossroads. crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love I love good resale. And I think so like, I, I really so I'm fun. seeing I'm for sure seeing a big trend among millennials and mm-hmm. and 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 people younger than millennials towards um, away from fast fashion and also towards resale buy sell trade, mm-hmm. um, which is great. So you know we also thought you know, it'd be so great. Like if you're done with this costume and, and it's not some cheapy throwaway Halloween costume and you don't have someone to pass it on to, mm-hmm. you know, I think the market for resale is just, it's growing immensely. And there's a lot of platforms that you can use to resell mm-hmm. your items now. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. And it feels like it's just um, growing like crazy. You know, I actually, last week's episode um, was with a lady here in Los Angeles. Her name's Diana Coney, and she started something recently called Trade Closet, which is Mm. purely, it's a private Facebook group for women to trade their clothing, their their shoes. And so it's like no money needs to exchange hands. Products find a new home. So it's, she basically, it came out of like a combination. What did she tell me? A combo of Poshmark and um, mm-hmm. oh, the Buy Nothing Project is what she said. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. um, when the pandemic happened, she was like, you know, I just, I don't want to be spending that much money on clothing anymore. And what can I do? And she came up with this like mm-hmm. brilliant, it's like such a fun idea. And um, I really do. It's a great idea. It is, mm-hmm. isn't it? And, yeah. and I yeah. I've had friends obsessed with this buy nothing movement. And I'm like, what is that? That sounds great. Yeah. Trade mm. your fashion. on yeah. Right. I would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I'll send you the link after, but yeah, cool. it's a cool, cool endeavor. And, um, and what I think about, um, your costumes too. Another benefit is by not being themed to specific characters, they're not really going to go out of date. So that mm-hmm. obviously is inherent in the passing from generation to generation, but even, even reselling from marketplace, you know, um, not necessarily generation, but like five-year gaps. It's like, as my children get older, then, you know, kids use it for their five mm-hmm. years and then the next and the next. And it's not, all of a sudden that Avenger is not that popular anymore. And so the right. whole, it's just kind of, um, no Dragons longer. Dragons and unicorns are always going to be around, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always. I know. I'm, I'm reading Peter Pan to my kids now mm-hmm. and I'm just like, this stuff just never goes out of fashion. It'll never mm-hmm. go out of fashion. Fairy tales mm-hmm. and make-believe mm-hmm. and pirates and, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, can you run through what are the different costumes that you have available now? What we we have we have um a dragon a mermaid a blue bird a rainbow bird a fairy mm-hmm. a um warrior super we have two different color two superheroes mm-hmm. so we have like a black superhero and a red superhero we have two different colors of like a warrior so like one is like a forest warrior kind of like a robin hood and the mm-hmm. other is a black warrior so he can kind of be like the you know stealth kind of you know hanging out in the shadows warrior um and then what am i missing rachel i'm i'm thinking of the new line so like i know yesterday's that's hard, that's hard. <laughs> well, we, and so, yeah and then coming up which this, we're keeping the spring a lot of these yeah but this spring we'll have a lion mm-hmm. and we'll have an owl and i think we may have a mushroom 
We'll have a rainbow mermaid and a mushroom and many colors of unicorns, hopefully. Oh, yes. We forgot the unicorn. Unicorn. Many colors. Yeah. Yeah. We're out. girl. Yeah, we'll have a white unicorn and like I was very purple anti unicorn in the beginning. I'm like, what? That's so horrible. Love them. They love them. Like yeah. little girls, they love them forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they never get tired um, of them. I mean, both of my little my, both of my girls that are nine and five, like they've loved unicorns since they were two and it's showing zero signs yeah. of going away anytime. i mean we have a pretty amazing black, we have a black unicorn and it's pretty fierce it's really yeah. great and also yeah like, it's, yeah yeah, yeah and that's the other topic. thing is like obviously some of these items will tend towards one gender or another mm-hmm. but we purposefully made everything unisex and we really tried to not make them too like we, we don't in any of our advertising or anything, mm. nothing is gender specific. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, we've got mm-hmm. black unicorn, we've got, and also, by the way, boys can love a pink unicorn as well. I'm not saying like, you know, right. <laughs> we try mm-hmm. to make sure that like, you know, if a kid is looking at the advertising, they don't feel discouraged by any of our costumes. Like it's not for them. Like right. we try to put the boys and girls in an even mixture of all the costumes. Mm. So. And the jumpsuit, it's, they can move, it's loose enough to move around in and it doesn't restrict their hips or like, you know how they make like little girls clothes where they're like low, tight, tight. skinny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's very, yes. it's very binding. And so we, yes. we did spend that 10 months thinking about all of these things like mm-hmm. child development, the environment, and we worked mm-hmm. very hard and we're, and we are really proud of, of mm-hmm. what came out of this. And yeah. And I think you should be. I think you should be. Thank I mean, you. they're just, um, they're remarkable. And I'm excited for people to go find them. So what is the best way for people to find you guys and the costumes? Our website is uh-huh. the best. It's uh, hijinkscostumes.com. H-I-J-I-N-K-S costumes.com. Perfect. And we're also and- on Instagram and Facebook. You'll find us. It's Okay. Yeah, Perfect. we're also on Maisonette, Maisonette mm-hmm. and Motherly and a few mm-hmm. other places around the internet. You and if you're local, well. we're in Mercy Milo in Highland Park. Awesome. Oh, yeah. great. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, awesome. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Um, and one final question. Black Friday, Cyber Week is coming up. Whoa, like yes. next week. Um, so yeah. are you guys planning anything fun for that? We are. It's a surprise. Yes. You have to come yes. check it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. I'm not even going to tell you. you just oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. What's the okay. best place? Um, is it best for someone to follow you on Instagram or Facebook to, yeah, to hear yeah. that? I think Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Instagram or Facebook, either one. Yeah. But our Instagram handle and Facebook handle are the same. It's just hijinks costume. And that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please consider hitting subscribe, rating or reviewing us, telling a friend, any or all of the above truly make a difference. The more people we can reach, the more people I can find to interview and the bigger impact we can make together. Keep an eye on your feed. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thanks. Bye.